Well, good morning again, and happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm in an unusual place to give my message this morning. I'm actually in a cemetery, as you can see behind me. And you can see some of the flowers, maybe some of the gravestones. And you might be going, what in the world are you in a cemetery to do your sermon, Craig? Well, the reason I am is it is Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to be talking about Jesus rising from the dead. And I thought, what a more appropriate place than a cemetery, because that's where we read about, as you've heard our staff this morning read from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts of the women and the disciples who went to Jesus' tomb that morning, a place of burial. So that's where we are to have the message this morning. So I want to share a few things with you from those uh, gospel accounts this morning, if I could. What would you think if you had gone to the cemetery a cemetery like I'm at this morning, maybe just two or three or four days after your loved one had been put in that cemetery. What if you'd gone to put flowers to visit the grave like a lot of us do? And you walked up, and as you were walking up to the grave, the grave was open, the casket was open, and there was no one in there. You'd be going, how can this be? What has happened? You saw the person die. You went to their funeral probably. You were at the graveside when you saw the casket get put into the um, burial part, into the, the grave. Can you imagine your thoughts and your feelings? You will begin to look around and see if anyone was around. Did, did anybody see anything? What in the world? Does anybody know where my loved one's body is? But maybe you see nothing. You just see more gravestones and flowers and markers all over the cemetery. Again, I can imagine that the rush of emotions that are going on inside of you and your mind are searching. You're searching for answers. Maybe you start to walk back to your vehicle that you came in. And as you start back to your vehicle, your head is spinning. You're thinking so many thoughts. And you hear someone call your name from behind. It's a familiar voice, a voice you haven't heard in a long time. You turn around, and there is your loved one who had been in the grave. Can you imagine what that would feel like? What would you do? You would probably be frozen in shock. Maybe you would rush and just grab hold and hug a big bear hug on your loved one. You've just heard in the first part of our service, several of our staff, as I mentioned before, read the gospel accounts of what happened on that Sunday morning as the women first went to the tomb of Jesus, then later some of the disciples. And we can guess that their reactions and our reactions would be very similar if we had experienced what they did. Shock all relief maybe thinking you were dreaming but knowing that you really weren't trying to make sense of what you had seen on friday at the cross and knowing that you saw jesus body come down dead off of that cross and then knowing that you saw jesus body go in that tomb and now seeing and experiencing him alive well the women and the disciples who went to jesus tomb that morning were not expecting life in that tomb were they they were expecting Jesus' dead body to be there so that they could go through the burial rituals and preparations that they had practiced for years. It would seem that most, if not all, of the women and even the disciples had seen or knew about at least three occasions when Jesus had raised people from the dead. Think about it from the Gospel accounts. Jairus' daughter, remember that one? The widow of Nain's son that Jesus raised to life. And of course, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. Jesus had raised all of them. In addition to those experiences, Jesus had told them on the least on at least three occasions that he would have to die, but on the third day he would rise again. 
Did they also miss the part about Jesus calling himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep only to take it up again? Why were they not expecting this? Why were they not anticipating this? Jesus was the raiser of life. And maybe they thought, but how can Jesus raise himself to life? Whatever Jesus had said, whatever supernatural miracles they had seen Jesus performed, their grief and emotion had overwhelmed them. They saw Jesus in this brutal death on the cross, and they could not understand how this could happen to the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. For them to even get up that morning and attempt to take care of the burial of that body was amazing. Now, it's easy for us, after over 2,000 years of commentary and teaching on the Bible, to shake our heads and say, how did they miss all that? How could they not see what was coming? But today, as I think about what's going on in our world over the last few weeks, I find it interesting that we too maybe have discovered in our own culture that we've missed a lot. We've missed all that as well. And what do I mean by missed all that? Well, I think in our pursuit of what we think life should be, what we want, what we think God should be and do, we have missed all the same stuff that those before us have. We've missed the authentic pursuit of God and relationship with Him. We have more access, do y'all realize that? We have more access to what Jesus taught, the accounts of his miracles, the crucifixion, the resurrection, than any other group in history. And yet we have missed it. We've missed him, haven't we? We have missed the anticipation and the wonder of the resurrection. I wonder what Jesus must think as he sees the things that we pursue in our lives. The things we put all our time in, our money in, our efforts into that he knows mostly will not satisfy us? How does it make him feel after he has given us the way, the truth, and the life? What does he think knowing that he gave up his life for us and he took his life up again for us to see how we live? Well, the good news of Good Friday is we are guilty as charged. We are sinners. We have a debt to pay. But the good news is that we're forgiven. We are reconciled to God. Jesus on that cross paid our debt in full. Paul said it like this to the um, Christians in Rome. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The good news of the resurrection of today, Resurrection Sunday, is death no longer has the last word. We are a new creation. We are in a new covenant and have the promise of eternal life. Paul said it like this to the Christians in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read that passage. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but I think it's very appropriate this morning. Listen to what Paul says. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then, even, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead, but, he didn't, if, but if he did not raise them, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits, of all those who have fallen asleep. And that's where we get that he is risen, he is risen indeed, from Paul's letter to these early Christians in Corinth. 
he's letting them know that if this really didn't happen, if this really didn't happen on Sunday, like the gospel accounts tell us, then we are lost in our sins. But indeed, it did happen. And as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday this year in probably a way that we never have before, I would guess we have a different perspective of our lives and world because of what's happening. I know I do. We think about things very differently right now, don't we? We've been washing our hands, sheltering in place, wearing masks, keeping six feet between us, and all of that may or may not prevent us from getting the coronavirus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was and is the most important event in all of history. What we believe about the pandemic, that matters. But what we believe about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection, that matters most of all. The reason this day is so important is that we need to make a decision about who Jesus is. What happened on this Resurrection Sunday before we go six feet under? Surviving COVID-19 will not forgive your sins. Surviving COVID-19 will not secure your life here or eternally with God. Jesus was very clear throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels, on who He was and why He came. He was not simply an option among many paths or social justice stances we might take. He wasn't just another choice amid political parties or faiths or religions that we can choose that will all land us in heaven one day. No, Jesus made the way for us back to God that we can absolutely not make on our own. That is why this day was and is monumental. The empty tomb reminds us, it pleads with us, to recognize that Jesus was and is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way back to God the Father except through trust and faith in Jesus' death for our sins and His resurrection for our eternal life. And when you think about that, simply putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did, who can't do that? Could it be any more simple? Could it be any more inclusive? And could it be any more gracious or fair than the way God's made it available to us? Well, what are you doing right now to present your, uh, yourself or prevent yourself from getting COVID-19? Aren't we putting our trust and faith in what leaders and medical professionals are telling us? They aren't dying to save us. They haven't resurrected for us. And yet we listen to them and we trust them and we do what they say. We can't control this virus. We can't predict this virus. It is an invisible enemy. It's an invisible enemy because of our fallen world. And yet we put our faith in what we are told to do until this viral enemy passes. In this world, there's another enemy. Jesus told us about that enemy and it's Satan. And I wanna read from you from Luke, Luke's gospel. And I wanna read from chapter 12, verses four through seven. Listen to what Luke says. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him, fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus reminds us, reminds us that there is an enemy out there that wants to, to kill us and steal from us and destroy us. But he knows each of us. Even the, the hairs of our head are numbered. And we celebrate today because the real enemy, Satan, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us physically and spiritually, has been defeated. Even though he brought sin and death into God's perfect creation, 
God in his divine wisdom always had a salvation plan for us. And think about it, today more than ever, if you've not received Jesus, Jesus' amazing grace and put your faith and trust in what Jesus did, what better day, what better time than right now to do that? All of us have wondered, haven't we? What if I get the coronavirus? What if I die from the coronavirus? You should know. You can know. You can know with confidence. Your eternity will be with your Creator and Savior. Jesus did not go through what He went for, went through on the cross for us. He did not go through all of that to have us say, I don't know. I guess I'll go to heaven. I hope I'll go to heaven. Jesus established a new covenant in His blood so that you would know, I would know our eternal destination. Do we realize what a big deal that new covenant was and is? The old covenant was not possible to keep. Now, it was necessary. It allowed us to see our need for God, and it allowed us to see the, the need for His guidelines, His rules, and the importance of a relationship with Him. It was absolutely necessary. But we couldn't keep the guidelines. We couldn't follow the rules. We were always breaking the covenant. And yeah, we would go through the rituals of sacrifice to pay for our sins, but it became ritual instead of relational. And God has always wanted to have relationship with us. That was the most important thing. That's why we were created. And God knew from the beginning that He would have to establish a new covenant. Through the Old Testament, we read about a new covenant that was coming, a Savior, a Messiah who would usher in a new kingdom along with that new covenant. And only Jesus could establish that. He was the perfect Holy One who took away the sins of the world through His death and established that new covenant forever in His resurrection. This day, the empty tomb, our risen Savior, reminds us Death is not the end. It is the beginning of a new covenant, a new relationship, a new you, a new me, a new life here and after death with our Creator and Savior forever. You realize that Jesus' death on the cross, His life, and His resurrection, all of those came together to give us this new covenant. And as I close my message, I would encourage you this morning for you and your family to share in the celebration of that new covenant that Jesus established for us, the way He asked us to, by taking communion together. Jesus did this on the last night before He was crucified with His disciples. He instituted this new covenant and said, never forget this. When you get together, remember this and take this piece of bread that represents my body that is given for you, nailed to the cross. Take this cup, this juice, this wine that represents my blood that is shed for you for forgiveness of sins. So I hope you'll focus on that this morning as you take communion. I'd like to share a text from Paul's um, letter to Timothy, second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And this is something you can also reflect on as you have communion with your family together. Paul says this, So, I do, not, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Easter and celebrate our risen Lord together.